Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show is broadcasting from beautiful, sunny Southern California. Hope you're enjoying whatever spring, whatever March 1st brings you weather-wise, knowing that uh, good times are around the corner. Um, we got some Russell Wilson discuss. We got uh, Rich Ornberger is going to join us. Of course, he is the the sage in regards to Tom Brady and what what went wrong with Brady and Arians at uh, at the end of their run with the Buccaneers. We got a bunch of things to get to. I believe my man Brandon Cristal is going to join us in the third hour of the show, as we'll get his take. He's from he's at the combine. What are people talking about at the combine? And John Paul Morosi will join us. Fox Sports Radio MLB Insider will join us in the third hour of the show. We mentioned the third hour for baseball because uh, I've been listening all day. Now all of a sudden, um, you, you're hearing Dan Beyer with the update. I was listening to Dan's update where the the owners who have been negotiating into the middle of the night closed up shop in the middle of the night and then said, hey, we're getting kind of close. Then they negotiated this morning, and now one last kind of take it or leave it, right? This is the old last and final. And here's the thing with last and final. There is no last and final until the contract is actually signed. But once the contract is signed, you know what I don't want to hear about? I don't want to hear about complaints about the collective bargaining agreement from players. You don't hear it from fans. Fans don't care all that much, right? I mean, like, um, Bayer, the the concessions now really are, uh, they agreed on, I believe, a 12-team playoff, right? That's what they wanted. They want a 12-team playoff. That creates more revenue, more money for everybody, right? Makes sense. Uh, Okay, but what, what else is there? There's the, this... Uh, pre-arbitration bonus pool. Okay, that's something that's kind of interesting, right? That's for players who are not yet arbitration eligible but have overachieved based upon anybody's reasonable assessment of a rookie contract. And then there's the, the luxury tax threshold. How much of this stuff affects us as fans? The answer is zero. And as I said yesterday, and I congratulate Major League Baseball on sort of finally kind of getting it, which is, like, end of the day, just get this thing done. Just, play, like, look at the rest of the sports landscape as your guide. Okay, Look at the rest of the sports landscape as your guide. And when you do, you see it as your guide. You'll go, like, hey, the rest of sports has come back. And the fans, well, they're better than ever. Right? They're better than ever. They're more into it than ever. And so I don't actually care about the devil in the details. And you don't actually care about the devil in the details. The Players Association, the Players Union, they do. And whatever they choose to fight for and whatever they choose to pass on fighting for, that's the decision they got to make here in the next couple of hours. But they're going to get to an agreement. Right? You don't get this close 
and get to these last and finals unless you're really, really close. There doesn't seem to be the tension of the past. Both sides have given in some substantially. What, we, what, what I, I, I can't do, I won't do, I don't believe in is players after a deal is signed complaining about something they feel like is a major issue. If it was such a major issue, it should have been addressed in negotiation. I'll give you the easiest parallel. The franchise tag. How many times have you heard the franchise tag must go? The franchise tag is the worst. Man, don't get me with the franchise tag. Now, keep in mind the franchise tag is something that it's a device that can be used as kind of a hold. We're going to hold on to you. And worst case scenario for us both, you get an average of the top five salaries at your position. You only get a one-year deal. It's fully guaranteed, and it counts dollar for dollar against the cap. It punishes both sides for not being able to come to a longer-term agreement. But players obviously want something in a second and third year, maybe even longer. They want more guaranteed money for for longer, so they push back against it. Uh, owners and front office people, they don't love the franchise tag either because of how much it costs them against the cap. But it's a necessary device so that Guys aren't on the free agent market all the time. It makes you have to slightly overpay for slightly longer than you want to if you're a team. It is mutually beneficial and mutually detrimental. It's perfect. And if it wasn't perfect, if it was worth blowing the whole thing up over, do you know what NFL players could have done? They could have fought against it during the last collective bargaining agreement. But instead, they got it done in the offseason, and it's a 10-year agreement. It's not changing. It's not going away. So it's Thursday night football is the same. I'm sorry. If you want the salary cap to go up, and it's going to continue to go up, you have to continue to create more revenue streams. Why do you think they're playing in Germany? It's not just that there's more money made in terms of the sales and filling up, but also it's a different TV window which allows you to go and charge one of the rights holders more money. Hey, you get a standalone game. Granted, 7 in the morning, but you're the only one with football on. People are going to watch. For that, what are you going to pay? Heck, what was the amount that they paid for, uh, that CBS paid for one playoff game, which ended up being the Cowboys and the Niners and the highest rated game anyone had ever seen during that round of the playoffs? But again, it's more money. So the point is that I, I don't I don't have time for the Thursday night football complaints. I don't care. You signed and agreed to a deal, collectively bargained for a deal, and never pushed back against Thursday night football. You never pushed back against the franchise tag. So I don't, for the next nine years, no one wants to hear it. Nobody cares. You know, there's no place in life. You can complain, but nobody, you sell a house, you're like, man, you know, I, I bought this house and I didn't realize that there were no gutters. I, I had a new roof, but there were no gutters. I, I had to put on gutters that like, all right, you agreed to the deal. You had your inspection. Did you go cheap on the inspection? You know, were you willing to lose the house when you said, all right, listen, you either fix the attic, you know, or I'm going to walk. Are you really willing to walk? If you're not and you agreed to a deal, Please don't bring it up with anybody else in life because nobody actually cares. And that's my 
to baseball owners or more baseball players. Baseball players pull at your heartstrings. Man, these rookies and this rookie sale, they don't scale, they don't make anything. They don't do this. They, look, if you agree, if you collectively bargain for certain terms and certain deals and you don't get what you want, unless you're willing to walk away from the table for it, it wasn't that important to you. Again, I, I know that baseball is a screwed up deal. I know that Aaron Judge, going back to what, last year, he made less than a million dollars a year because rookie deals, you get money up front and then you're making the minimum until your arbitration. And then you go from making a million dollars a year to $30 million a year. There are some ramp up deals where guys with this new bonus pool or whatever, but that's the deal. Check out the latest lines from World of Sports, BetRivers Sportsbook. BetRivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. You must be 21, present in Colorado, Indiana, Illinois, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Buyer, how far apart are they actually really? You know? By the by, those sounds of it, um, they are far apart. With the latest news that came down in the last 15 minutes or so, it sounds like there is not as much progress uh, made today and maybe they went backwards with the owners set to offer their final offer in a take it or leave it at some point prior to this uh, 5 o'clock Eastern time deadline. So there wouldn't be another extension of a deadline. It's basically take this deal or don't, and then you will miss games if you don't. Yeah, but they're pretty close, aren't they? I mean, it feels like they're much It's not the tone closer. that we've got in the last 15 minutes. The, the, the last 15 minutes has changed? Yes, that, maybe, that, that today hasn't been as fruitful as they would have hoped. So that the, could just be posturing. It could be uh, just maybe Major League Baseball uh, trying to get their final details in. But the dialogue that was happening late last night into the early morning hours on the East Coast, to me, was much more positive than what we've seen within this last hour. Yep. Well, going to be interesting. I think they're going to get it done. I think it'll be like, oh, my gosh, we got it done at the last second. Holy cow, that's amazing. And I, 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 don't, I don't know if you're with me. Like, I just, I understand that there are issues within each industry. I understand that within anyone's contract. You know, but if you don't address it when you're negotiating the contract, what do you want me to do? You know, bosses don't just go like, oh, you have three weeks off in your contract. You know what? That was a mistake by you. Here's another week off with no sort of leverage when you're in year one of a three-year contract. Like, they, nobody does that. What's the point of having a contract? And that's essentially what this is. It's a contract between the Players Association and, and the owners. Is it going to be fair and completely equitable? No. You know why? Because it's their money. It's their businesses. And you are replaceable. Baseball in real life is just like the baseball stat wins above replacement. Right? I want to have you, but how much are you worth versus a guy I can get off the street or a guy I can get from the floundering minor leagues and find a way to put him in there. He won't put up the same numbers, but if he costs me a fraction of the same money, I can sprinkle around elsewhere. Wings, wins above replacement. That's the same thing here. Except now it's the entire union. Like, look, I get it. You may not like every one of the terms, but at some point you have to agree, and once you agree, my off switch goes in terms of complaining about the deal. If it was that big a thing, you go to, you go to, go to the mattresses over. All right, so we'll stay tuned. That could be happening 
while it's, it's, we should know while we're on air today if we're going to have opening day in baseball. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. What a beautiful day it is in Southern California. You know, it's almost baseball weather. Oh, baseball guys. Like, why are you talking trash to me, Gottlieb? We got some Russell Wilson stuff for you. Um, got some Isaiah Thomas. I find myself agreeing and disagreeing with Isaiah Thomas on hoops. Let, let's talk some hoops. Um, I love guys. Yesterday I shared with you. Yesterday I shared with you a story of having drinks with uh, the late great Kobe Bryant and the the things you get from people are like how dare you share a story of a dead man. Okay? So I I'm, I'm watching on social media and Chandler Parsons shares a story about Kobe Bryant where Kobe picked up uh, everyone's tab at a nightclub when he was a rookie in L.A. And you're like, oh, that one's okay. But if I share you a story that a one-on-one conversation I had with Kobe, uh, because you didn't like how it sounded, it's I'm lying and I'm an idiot and whatever. <laughs> I'm talking. Like, yeah, I, I just, I, I struggle to understand how some people deal with life. You know, some people deal with life, but they do. Uh, and then yesterday I said, look, I look, I don't, I'm not sure Kobe Bryant's really a top 10 player all time. And you would think I said, Kobe Bryant sucks. Why was he ever even an all-star? But then you kind of start to go through it. You're like, okay, well, if Michael Jordan's the greatest player I've ever seen, he's the goat. And then below that you put the bird magic LeBron Right, those are those three, and I put Kareem in there. Right now, we're going, we're already kind of four in, and you got to figure out like, do I count Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell? Do I count like you know, do I count those guys, or or not? How far back do I go historically? And if I want to go rings, why can't I give it to? Why can't I put Tim Duncan in there? Um. Who is a better basketball player? I guess you give it to Kobe, but who is more dominant? It, it was Shaquille O'Neal. Right? We kind of start to go through these guys. And you're like, well, wait, wait, hold on a second. What are you talking about? Like, I'm just speaking honestly about the all-time greats in NBA history. You know, what do you do with Dr. J? What do you do? There's so many different. What do you do with so many of these guys who were all-time? Akeem Olajuwon. And granted, Kobe won five titles. That has value. But what you're saying is Kobe Bryant, his five titles are more impressive than the ones that Tim Duncan won. Like, what? How's, how's, how does that exactly work? How does that exactly work? So I would say, you know, Kobe is better than Dwayne Wade, but there's a lot of the Dwayne Wade. You know, Dwayne Wade won a title with Shaq as a secondary piece. And then he was the secondary piece when LeBron helped lead his team to the title. What do you do with Giannis? He's a two-time MVP who just won an NBA Finals MVP. 
Where do you put him in this thing? You know, and we all have this thing about Kobe and the mama mentality, and it was great. That wasn't who Kobe was for a good portion of his career. Just wasn't. So this idea that Kobe Bryant was, you know, a dominant player, the level of, he wasn't at the level of Bird or Magic or Michael or LeBron consistently. No, he was, he was a great player, an all-time great player. But he's just below that great range of superstars. And it was really hard because early in his career, you know, the first half when they won the three titles, it was with Shaquille O'Neal. And I'm not sure there's ever been a guy like Shaquille O'Neal. Maybe you'd say Wilt Chamberlain in his prime was as dominant athletically and physically as, as, uh, as Shaq was in his prime. That'd be fair. How do you measure that out against Kobe Bryant? You, you don't. That's why the list thing becomes dumb. Check out the latest lines of World of Sports, the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. You must be 21. President in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Pennsylvania. Play gambling problem call 1 800 Gambler. Uh, John Morant's made a bunch of headlines this year. He's dominated dominated his Utah his uh, Memphis Grizzlies team is really really good. Then of course he pounded Tequila straight on an airplane set for the All Star game. Some people freaked out. He came back and and promptly started to eviscerate folks. And he had 52 points last night. Uh, here's his filthy dunk. Everybody's talking about. Got to be the 50 ball man. First in history. I ain't gonna lie. I don't know if I can talk about that right now, man. My head all over the place. Um, it's thankful for my teammates, you know, my coaches, you know, they believe in me, have, you know, all the confidence in the world that, you know, I can go and, you know, make the right play. And, you know, tonight uh, they were looking for me. And like I said before, as I got close, they told me to, you know, go ahead and go get it. That that was, that's job rent. So the question becomes, what do we do? The MVP discussion, honestly, is kind of a... Daily debate show sort of timing topic, right? Like it, the MVP wasn't that big a thing for a long time where we talked about it throughout the season. Now we do, and we do so because sometimes we need time to fill on those TV shows and they talk MVP. But when you look at MVP, are you truly the most valuable player to your team? Or is it, are you having an all-time great season or are you an all-time great player? Byer, how do you evaluate if you were going to vote on the MVP? And they just hand you a ballot. What's most important to you? How do you evaluate who the most valuable player Gosh. in the NBA is? Yeah, I, I just I think it's a combination of of factors, and I I probably fall into the unfortunate group of if you've done it before, it's maybe not as impressive the second time. And I know that's not fair, but I actually you know feel that way, and I actually think it's tougher to repeat and be the back to back MVP. So in saying all of that, like. I think that, you know, Nikola Jokic has more to do this year than, say, Joel Embiid does. I know that's not fair. I know that's probably not right. But when you take a combination of winning, when you take a combination of where your team is, what your stats are, um, that's what I, you know, weigh all into it. A lot of different reasons. Um, how much help you actually have around you sometimes can can play into that. But it's a variety of reasons, some fair, some unfair. How uh Okay, so let me ask you this question. If uh, you were voting for the MVP as of just today, and I, there's still 20 games left, who would you vote for? One, two, three. Steph Curry, uh, probably number one. Um, 
then I would probably put Embiid and then Jokic. Hmm. Okay. Why not John Rent? Because they played well when he was hurt? Um yeah, and I didn't honestly I didn't even take it into consideration um okay. of of you know, of just I mean, Golden State's what second in the West right now. Um now he did go through a nasty slump. I mean, it should be pointed out. He did he did Sure. Didn't have Clay, uh don't have Draymond. Um you know, that would be that would be a part of it. The Embiid case is interesting because now you add James Harden to the equation. So does that hurt Joel Embiid's uh, situation if the Sixers aren't? Um, if the Sixers do do better, are you like saying, all right, it's because Harden's there and not Embiid? I don't um, think so. But I also think that we have like I think John Morant is 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 awesome. I think that what he did last night is great. But I just don't know how many people had John Morant until he did what he did last night, and it reminds me of, you know, like Kawhi had sixty in a game once for the Spurs, and it just randomly popped up in March, and we just immediately threw Kawhi into the MVP race when we've been sitting there putting Jokic and Embiid and Curry, you know, under this microscope, you know, the entire time. I just um, maybe that's an advantage. Maybe John Morant does deserve it, but. What about what about Giannis? Um, I yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> to see where the Bucks would be um, without him. In terms I mean, of value, I think he's the most valuable. Yeah, I don't think it's actually close. Correct. Because if, if people want to say, well, like look at LeBron, like okay, but they're not winning, you know. And LeBron does not do defensively what Giannis does, uh, not just as, as a shot blocker, even on the perimeter. Like he just doesn't, not anymore. Um. So, in terms of true value, Giannis and Jokic, it's really hard for anyone else to measure up to that. Now, who's having the best year of the great players, and their team is having the best year, and all the and they have value to that team? That's, I think, that that mix that you're talking about. Yeah, Jay Stu, do you have a guy? What would be your one, two, and three? Um, first and foremost, I'm that guy that always says that if you take that player off that team, I think it's a combination for me. It's how well a team has done, and if you were to remove that player from that team, would they still be you know that t- top echelon team? So I think with that requirement, I go with Giannis again, um, and then I go Embiid. But uh, Morant's, I think, picking up steam. Like not only is he uh, leading a, a decent team right now, but he's just like doing it in spectacular fashion. He's having those, uh, you know, those highlight nights, and I think he's making an impression. But I don't think he wins it. But I think he's an interesting candidate in this. Um, if uh, go ahead, if they overtake Golden State for the two spot in the West, which they're what a game back. Um, I I think that optic is a big deal. Because it's the reason why I put Curry at number one. You know, like, I mean, you know, you may not be the best in the West and may not be able to be able to overtake Phoenix, but to be in that, you know, in that top two. I mean, we were talking about DeMar DeRozan as the MVP as recently as, what, a week ago. Um, and I, I just, I feel like, I feel like there's a disadvantage as well to guys who are just in that spotlight the entire season. And it may not be... Um, it, it may not have an effect on them, but we've talked about Embiid, Jokic, Curry, Giannis all season long, and DeRozan here and there, and now John Morant is is added to the equation. I'm not saying he shouldn't do it, but to Jason's point, 
you know, you take his numbers and compare them to Curry's, and they're very comparable. But uh, I do think that there is something to always being in that conversation. Maybe that's our fault and not his. Uh, let me ask you guys something. Okay, so my assessment of Kobe, and no one's disputing whether he's not all-time great or not, right? But he was never in that bird magic Michael LeBron status, was he? Like I again, I did oh, not. No, I did not. No, no one. And this is to people uh, on Twitter. Like, I, you're just. I get. It. He died. It's sad. It sucked. Right. And there are parts of Kobe which are more lore than reality. I'm just telling you. Like, the Kobe was great, but never to the level of Bird and Magic and LeBron. And Michael, like those guys, you know, and in all honesty, like, look, who's going to ha- who's had a better career, Steph Curry or Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant or Kobe Bryant. Kobe did it for 20 years. Right? He's it's, some of it is like the LeBron, like the longevity battle. Like, that's really hard when you just have a volume of stats. Um, But I mean, I would I mean, Kevin Durant's been a more impactful player. In my mind, I mean, he's been—he was the best scorer in the league. He led the led the league in scoring four different times. You know, he's played in the NBA Finals. What, what is it now? Well, he, they technically they lost the last one, so he's played four NBA Finals, won two of them. Um, and I mean, he's—if they're both great scorers, and he isn't considered the defender of Kobe in his peak, but he's become a very vital defender and a different defender because defense is different now than it used to be, especially because he can protect the rim. Like you, what you what you do is you you get so infatuated with the name, the logo, the shoes, the Lakers. Like, look, Kobe was really good. He was not as dominant as consistently dominant as Shaq when Shaq was in shape. Kobe just was in shape longer and, and, and became better later in his career. Yes, Ramos, go ahead. I do think one thing that I did notice out of Kobe that maybe I didn't notice out of maybe a Dr. J or those maybe like the five through tens is I do think Kobe, like those top five players, did improve his game on a yearly basis. Like he was the type of guy that to me from as being a Laker fan watching like every year he'd have a new shot. Like he fought, like remember when he was like Dirk had that fall away one foot and then he decided to just do that too. Like, oh, I'm going to learn that shot. Like a lot of these guys that are in the top 10, like they did like Shaq, he was dominant, but he had like one thing he did, right? He didn't really try to learn anything else. Like he just kind of dunked and rejected balls and, but it was dominant. But like Kobe every year, I always felt like he did something new. Like then he had a fall away jumper, then he had like a reverse... He just did something, and that doesn't mean he's in the top five, but I'm just saying, like those top five players, like no, I understand. like Magic and, and Kobe and definitely Larry Bird, they always had a new shot. Like, that's what they did during the offseason. Like, okay, let well, me no, try I mean, this. Again, we're holding it. I mean, like, that's Shaq's problem. Shaq could have been the most dominant player. Okay, but he didn't. Maybe though. in the history of the league, but he didn't. Right. So that he was still, But he was still dominant. But he was. He's the, he's the only one. Yeah, he's the only one. Uh, like the Jason, doc- Kid, doc- Jason, Jason Kidd's a perfect example. Like okay. Jason Kidd isn't on – he would absolutely be on my list. Jason Kidd was a great defense player, a gr- all-time great passer. And when he finished playing, Jason Kidd, who is known as Asen Kidd because he had no jump shot, he finished eighth all-time in three-pointers made. 
when, when he finished. Obviously, he slid further down the list because Steph and other guys have passed him. <clears throat> but the, the, the point is that all of those guys got better. You either get better or you're getting worse. Shaq was the only guy who would play his way into shape, you know? And so, so it didn't happen for him. But that you're not wrong, but I would say that saying that separates from Kobe from everybody outside of Shaq would be incorrect because all those guys improved. I'll say something quick, too. Like, like Magic. Hold on real quick. Okay. Before, Byer, uh, remember what you're going to say. Go look at Jordan, okay? Jordan was all mid-range and get to the rim early in his career. Okay, then he became a great, great jump shooter, deep jump shooter. Not necessarily threes, but he became a better three-point shooter. And then later in his career, after the <clears throat> after the retirement, he was the best post player in the league. He, he was a bucket, and that's where Kobe copied the footwork and, and the fadeaway from. So they all they all improved. They all come in as one guy and come out as another guy. But um, you know, I got some guy named Chop. Chopper, who's 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 questioning my <laughs> my basketball style. IQ. Hey, Chopper, I've forgotten more about the sport than you ever know. So stop <laughs> oh, tweeting at me. I'm just I'm just telling you. Like you can sit here and tell me. Like I I the Kobe Bryant was a year behind me in high school. He's a great player. He was never Magic. He was never Michael. He was never Bird. He was never Jordan. He just wasn't. He was never the, every year the most dominant guy in the league. Because he played at the Lakers, and because they won three consecutive titles, and then they won two later on, okay? But the guy who was unguardable was Shaquille O'Neal, and Kobe was great. And then it became Kobe's team. They fought over. They're both great. They're both great. Doug, the thing that I was going to say was that I think Magic, I think Bird, I think Jordan all happened organically or naturally. It just happened they end up taking over the league without us trying to anoint anyone. And I actually think it happened with LeBron, where it just naturally arrived. 07, taking over, dominating the Pistons, taking him to the finals, and then the move, and, and he's gone. And I just don't think it ever naturally happened with Kobe. I don't, I don't think, you know. Yeah, I don't think he ever took over the league. It was never Kobe Bryant's league. It just wasn't. Doug. And and that's the difference in those guys, all of those guys we listed, and everybody else. Like you can sit here and tell me that Kobe Bryant's great. Like, uh, you know, tell me where the difference is in Kobe and Tim Duncan. I'll wait. Right? Tell me where they're different players, different positions, both equally and incredibly dominant. Surrounded by great players, and they played for a great coach, and they won multiple NBA titles. Tell, tell me what I'm missing. I hate lists. So dumb. That's why you just got to do like tiers. And there's zero possibility. He's not in the tier of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar won six MVPs and six NBA titles. And it was the all-time scoring leader in NBA history. Now, if we're going post-Kareem, okay, then you put Kobe in that list of all of those other guys that, that we had mentioned. We didn't mention Steve Nash, two-time MVP. We haven't mentioned Giannis. Right, like Giannis right now, you wouldn't compare his his career to Kobe. But fast forward five years from now, and man, it's I mean, we realize how good this guy is and what a freak of nature he is. 
Real credit card questions require real people, someone who understands your issue, works with you to resolve them. That's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. Discover exceptionally common sense. Uh, We get some breaking news. Here's Dan Beyer. Breaking news from Fox Sports. Doug, a report from ESPN says the Players Association is not going to accept that final offer made by Major League Baseball's owners. The take-it-or-leave-it deal that was expected to be presented prior to 5 o'clock Eastern time apparently is going to be left by the Players Association, so we could be headed for an extended lockout and missing regular season games. But again, ESPN reporting the union will not accept the owner's uh, latest offer, their final offer, before that 5 o'clock Eastern time deadline. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting because we're still 40 minutes away 40 minutes away from that deadline, yet they've already put it out there. We're not, you know, we're walking away. Last and final? Last and final doesn't mean anything. Bet they meet later tonight. What do you think? Byer, you want to you give me odds? Uh, they, they, they meet later tonight. I'll tell you after the break. Give you the odds. Mm-hmm. Okay. The odds will be fun. Let's Let's do that. Let's definitely do that. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Make sure you check out the latest lines in the world of sports at BetRivers Sportsbook. BetRivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. You must be 21. President Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, there's a report out of Green Bay that the Packers are working on a short-term but expensive deal to keep Aaron Rodgers. Now, uh, all the executives are at the, except for the Rams, are at the Combine. Packers general manager Brian Gunnikens, the news conference today, said this about being hopeful Rodgers' decision will come sooner rather than later. Uh, I would hope so, yeah. I think that's an, obviously um, the start of the new league year. There's a lot of decisions that have to be made before that. So that would be, that would be helpful. But, um, you know, I would, I would think we would know something before then. This is Gunnkunst on Rodgers and Adams. It does seem like their deals are tied at the hip. I would hope so, yeah. I think that's an, obviously um, the start of the new league year. There's a lot of decisions that have to be made before that. Yeah, I mean, obviously we'd like to know as soon as we can just because I think it helps for planning and moving forward. Uh, but those two situations are completely different. I mean, they're two different players and two different situations, both great in their own right. And we were lucky to have them. And we'll, you know, hopefully be able to have them both moving forward, but they're separate. Yeah, so the, the that brings to mind my uh, – that, that dismisses my thought process, which was Rodgers stays – but it all comes comes and announced, and they got Devontae staying with him. Right? Like, hey, I'm going to take money, but we're going to kick the cap money, kick the, kick the cap thing down the, down the street a little bit. And with that extra money that we're able to free up with some of the other moves that we restructured, we're going to keep Devontae Adams as well. I still think that's a pot. You know, just because Brian Gunnikin's says they're not tied to the hip doesn't mean they're actually not tied to the hip. But everyone in the sport seems to start nodding their head thinking the Packers are going to get Aaron Rodgers back. That that has become that has become the genuine and general thought. Yeah, that I mean this is bad. Cain Velasquez is a former UFC champ. Okay. Um 
is in Morgan Hill, California. There's a shooting at 3 o'clock in the afternoon yesterday afternoon. And one man was shot, one was taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. And uh, he was identified as the suspect. Like, yikes. And this is not like a guy who, like, 20 years ago, I think it was, what, 19 when he lost to Francis Ngannou? Whew. Bad, bad, bad deal. All right, let's uh, let, let's cheer things up. Let's get to Rich Hornberger, former NFL lineman, co-host of Fox Football Sunday with Steve Hartman each Sunday on Fox Sports Radio, 1 to 5 Eastern time here in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Rich, how are you? I'm doing really good. How are you doing, Doug? Good, man. Uh, well, you're making lots of news with the old Twitter <laughs> machine. Let's start with Brady. You heard what Bruce Arians said. Like, hey, if he comes out of retirement, he's playing for us. What what was really the nature of their relationship uh, at the end? I well, from what I heard, is things kind of started um, souring a little bit. You know, uh, you had the situation with Brady uh, and Byron Leftwich, which is I think a separate issue. Those were more fundamental disagreements over the game plan. And then in terms of Bruce Arians, I think it was just more about the culture he had set in place. It was a little bit of, you know, he's going to work a very light schedule. That was part of his agreement with the Bucks, and I think that was an understanding. But Tom Brady came from a place where he spent two decades of his life where everybody, everybody tried to outwork the man next to him. And it's just a very different mentality in Tampa Bay as it was described to me. So I think there was a rub there. And I think the retirement, well, I don't think was completely and wholly attributed to those disagreements over how the offense should look or how the culture should look. I do think it exacerbated things and potentially, you know, added to the the full spectrum of the decision-making process. And it resulted in him walking away from the game. As far as his return, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. Maybe Tom doesn't even know yet if he's interested in returning to the game yet. Uh, the news shortly after my report was that he's got this movie in production that is going to debut. Uh, so uh, obviously he's off to the races with his second career stuff, and uh, he's got a lot of other irons in the fire. And so we'll see. But but in terms of uh, in terms of the relationship in Tampa Bay, it definitely took a turn in the 2021 regular season. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox sports radio. Best guess. Do you think he tries to return to football? Best guess where or if, if, if look, it's tough to quit. You know, I know it because I went through it. I didn't play nearly as long as Brady. My career was six years and I hung on for dear life toward the end there. Uh, I was recovering from a back surgery, which really should have been, you know, the, the final had a, the final say. And I recovered from that as best I could. And I was working out for teams in the 2015 preseason all the way through the 2015 season. Um, you know, so it's tough to quit. You're, you get addicted to this game. You get addicted to the life, uh, the training, the, the routine. And like I said, I... I did some fraction of the time that Brady did in the NFL. So I can't, I can't imagine uh, what it must be like walking away with, with all that time 
playing under his belt. So I guess if I were going to put an odds bet on it or percentage chance he returns, I bet you it's somewhere hovering around 50-50 right now. But again, that's just my speculation. I have no idea what he's thinking. Rachel Ornberger is our guest on the Doug Gottlieb Show. He co-hosts Fox Football Sunday on Fox Sports Radio, 1 to 5 Eastern Time. What do you think of the Packers putting together a short-term expensive deal to keep Aaron Rodgers? Well, I just see the Packers as a team who thinks that maybe if they get Devontae Adams on the franchise tag, maybe if they get Aaron Rodgers on a short-term deal, which we know what that means. It's going to be like a two-year deal, maybe three, but – the chances that he makes it all the way through that deal are, are laughably low. Uh, so th- this really feels like the Packers are trying to go in for one more year, right? You know, they'll restructure a couple of other contracts so that they're more cap-friendly. Maybe they can make room for some draft picks uh, so they don't have to trade away draft capital. They can add to the team for the future of this year's draft. Um, but that's what it suggests to me is that, they're all in for one more year of Aaron Rodgers putting forth an MVP effort. And then, you know, everybody shoulder shrugs after the season and tries to guess what's next. Rich Hornberg is our guest on the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox sports radio. what do you think of Kyler Murray's method of trying to get a contract extension? It's a sign of the times. We spoke about this in the past, Doug. I, you know what? I was actually, I was watching the the Kanye trilogy documentary last night, um, which reminded me of the Michael Jordan docuseries that just came out, which sort of reminded me then of the Tom Brady movie that he's putting out that, you know, is going to lionize him in some ways, which sort of reminded me of what's going on with Kyler Murray. Look, everybody is trying to be the master of their own destiny these days. Uh, I think that most people, especially people who either spend a lot of time with young people or are young, uh, they understand that there is there is an ability to control the narrative unlike ever before in the history of sports, in the history of culture. You know, you can you can be your own producer. You could be your own studio. You could be your own anything uh, radio station. I mean, you could do things from your bedroom that you used to need a million dollars worth of equipment to do. I mean, we're just, we're, we're just getting started here. And, and I think social media has completely shifted the paradigm in sports. You know, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray is just trying to take the reins of this situation. I think it was clunky. I thought that the, the press release looked a little, I don't know how to describe it. Like almost like an eighth grade, you know, one pager report, you know, on your favorite athlete. That's what it looked like to me. It looked like something that you would put together on a Microsoft Word template, which I'm sure they did. But the message was sent. And I know the Bidwell family and Steve Kime, the general manager, and Cliff Kingsbury, they're in a huddle right now trying to figure out what the future of their team is going to be because they have a dissatisfied quarterback at the helm. So what do you think they do? I think their, I, I think their best option is to keep him. I mean, he's young, he's talented, uh, he has created the most success for this franchise that they've had in recent memory. I, I think, he, unfortunately, look, this is, this is like shopping real estate. Uh, you know, you you go to certain neighborhoods if you're in the you know, Hollywood Hills or the Beverly Hills zip code in California, you're, you're paying big dollars. And that's what the, 
that's the neighborhood that you're shopping in if you're shopping starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, a bargain basement deal is like 15 million bucks a year, like basically what Carson Wentz is guaranteed. I mean, that's the bargain basement deal for a starting quarterback in this league now. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is making over 20 a year. You know, I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo is good. He's not great, but he's a very solid starter in this league. You know, so they're probably going to have to pay him north of $40 million. And the truth is, whether you believe he deserves it or not, that's the going rate for quarterbacks because you're shopping in that zip code. Yeah, but you don't have to you don't have to give him a pay. He's still in this is year 4 of his rookie deal. He has the 5th year option already they're going to pick up. And then like, you know, they can franchise tag him. Now, so there's there's two sides to it, right? If you weren't all in on Kyler Murray, you wouldn't have hired a coach who is specifically tied to him. Like th- those two are are supposedly tied at the hip. So, if, and if you're not into Kingsbury, then you don't have to be into Kyler. But same GM, right? But there's 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 nobody of Kyler's elk, even if you see his limitations. There's nobody of his standing in this year's NFL draft. So this could be a year in which you could kill it in a trade. The problem is you got a team that won 11 games last year. It didn't have Nuke Hopkins. You get Nuke back. You make some tweaks. I don't understand why you have to give him a new contract. There's no you're you have under he's under a rookie contract. He has a fifth year option. They don't have to give him any they're not sure on him yet. I don't understand why you have to acquiesce. I I don't look at it as an acquiescence though. I look at it more as a, a tip of the cap to somebody who's done your franchise a tremendous amount of good in a very short amount of time. You know, I'm I'm not saying you need to pay a player for what he's done in the past. Obviously, when you grant him a new contract, you're paying him for his potential into the future. You know, that's that's how it works. I mean, unless you have bonuses and incentives written into a contract or you decide after the season, hey, we want to float him a little bit more cash because of the exemplary effort that he put forth this season. That's completely different conversation. So, yeah, a new contract isn't paying him for the past. It's paying him for the future. But the future is bright with Kyler Murray. Now, I understand this is unsettling, the fact that, you know, he is stomping his feet and he's making it known what his desires are and he's going to try to command top-of-the-market QB pay here. But your decision here is you don't sign him a new contract and potentially withstand whatever's on the other side of that because we know that quarterbacks, especially quarterbacks with options, like Kyler Murray has options. He could go to pro baseball. Now, he's not going to start in the major leagues immediately, but he was a first-round draft choice. This guy could go to the minor leagues, spend a couple of years, and maybe have a nice long career in major league baseball too. Who knows? I mean, who knows what's on his heart or his mind? You know, people talk all the time like, well, you got to have a guy who loves football. Yeah, I agree with that. But you also got to have a guy who's talented. And Kyler Murray, there's no doubting his talent. There's no doubting the impact he's had on this Cardinals team who is hapless. You know, who, who had drafted Josh Rosen in the first round prior to the next year getting Kyler Murray and changing the fortunes of their franchise. I, I, I think you pay him to satisfy him and you have a couple more years of contract peace at the quarterback position and you look forward to winning a bunch more games. Stug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. That's the voice of Rich Ornberger. Um, Russell Westbrook, um, 
is, you know, from the area. It's obvious that the Washington Commanders need a veteran quarterback. I'm, I'm sorry, Russell Wilson. I'm, I'm, Russell Wilson is from the area. Uh, there's talk of, obviously, the Commanders. They still need a franchise quarterback. It is in the NFC, but is that a good fit? Does that make sense for all parties? Boy, yeah. Let's think about it, right? Because if you're the Seattle Seahawks, and then at some point you have to face the commanders in the postseason. It's not a great look. But without Russell Wilson, I mean, how close are the Seahawks? My, my estimation is not very close. So it would be years before that becomes a problem for you. Uh, so if you can get a lot of draft capital, yeah, I mean, that makes sense from their end of it because I, I, think, I think they're looking at a rebuild here at some point within the next two or three seasons anyways. And then in terms of the Washington football team, or now commanders, they are in a very similar position, in my opinion, as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were when Brady entered the fray in free agency during the pandemic. You know, they hadn't had a quarterback that could really stabilize things years and years and years, a really talented defense with a lot of star players all over the field, drafted well on that side of the ball a couple of really talented stars on offense. They really need a quarterback and a couple more pieces on the offense. And then in a pretty weak division overall, when you look at what usually transpires in the NFC East, it comes down to the Eagles or the Dallas Cowboys trying to figure out who wants to lose it the least. Yeah, the Washington football team or the commanders, I'm still getting used to that, is is a good spot for Russell Wilson. It's just do they have enough draft capital to get him away from the Seahawks because it has to be a fit on that side of the docket too in that trade. Can you believe Sean McVay turned down $100 million to do TV? <laughs> Again, like it, this sport, it makes you do crazy things. You, you have to fall in love with it. You have to be addicted to it, right? And Sean McVay, there's no question about it. You know, the, the way we were just talking about Brady, right? He's addicted to this sport. Like he loves everything about it. He is a football guy. I mean, so, yes, it's an insane amount of money to turn down, but he's going to be paid handsomely to be the head coach of the Rams for the next, you know, three to five years, whatever he ends up doing it for, maybe longer. And, uh, and he's going to be able to do exactly what he wants, bury himself under the film and, uh, and coach a team that just won a Super Bowl. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy to turn down that kind of money. Rich, uh, I know you've turned down that money time and again. You just like doing your thing, you know? You just like doing your thing. Thanks so much for joining us. You got it, brother. Thank you. Rich Ornberger, who set the media world on fire with some of his tweets and insights as to things going on around the league. Happy to bring him uh, to you. You can listen to him every Sunday on Fox Sports Radio from 1 to 5 Eastern time with uh, Homer Steve Hartman.